Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. It's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding in a greater measure, that's your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. And healing in every area. Amen. It's in the spirit. Somebody asked me that without casting out of demons, can somebody be delivered from demons? The answer is yes. You can make the environment of your life so uncomfortable. The demons will go and visit somebody else. That's a matter of fact. And they will not come back. It is not everybody that the Bible, if you read the record of scriptures, that were, that were delivered had to be prayed for. Many of them, Peter was just passing. Shadows. Many touched the hem of his garment. They were healed. Anytime the word is coming forth, the presence of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to shout to demons, come out. Even you, if, if you are sitting here now, you understand? I set fire here, close the windows, smoke starts gathering, but I leave the door open. You know who come out? <laughs> are you getting my point? You won't say somebody, nobody has told me to come out. They have not yet cast me out. <laughs> demons know what they call torment. They ask Jesus, have you come to torment us? Before the time, they know what they call torment. They can be tormented by the atmosphere around your life. They are living beings. Are you getting my point? They are living, you know, like, so some places are comfortable. Some are uncomfortable. You know, the Lord Jesus was speaking. And he said that when an evil spirit leaves a place, and it goes through many dry places, looking for what? Rest. I'm finding none. He will not say, let me go back to that place where I came from. And he finds the place swept, empty, and garnished. That means they like comfort. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? So you can make your life uncomfortable for an evil spirit. That's what I'm saying. If you're always rejoicing and thanking God for the good things and the bad things of your life, the evil spirits will go somewhere else. They don't like voice of thanksgiving. They don't like people who are always happy. Mm-hmm. People are always rejoicing despite what is going on. Look at what David, what is his name? As Job went through. Satan was saying, just say something bad with your mouth so I can jump into your life and stay there permanently. If you don't make the environment of your life conducive for demons, they will go somewhere else. They will go somewhere else. Whether you shout, come out, or come out, don't come out. Sometimes you tell the demon, don't come out. They say, please let me go. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> uh, if I stay here, you fill this place with tear gas. And that door is open. I, I won't go out. You don't need to tell me, come out. Banky, I command you right now. Come out of that building. That's why police, when they tell people to come out, people don't come out. They throw tear gas inside. The criminal will come out by himself. Okay, forget it. I've, I've come out. They do that. Law enforcement. They are not sure the people are in the building. You are saying, this is the police. They are not answering you. Put something inside. Every man will file out by themselves. In the same manner, demons will leave 
if the atmosphere is uncomfortable, if a child of God wakes up every morning singing praises, every time responding to every situation with what that it is written, it is written, and he's not talking to demons, so. not talking to demons, so. just talking about his own life. After our the demons will talk to themselves. Say there's one church nearby, they're always talking to us. Let's go there. Yes. <laughs> Every power. Fighting my destiny. Die by fire. Say, good, let us go there. At least we have recognition. Uh, Who doesn't like recognition? Let's go there. When you enter the place, every spirit that wants to enter our progress today, come out. Spirit say, Well, it has it's assumed we are inside. So they will go inside. And the plane, you know. Hide and seek with the Christians. So when the funeral of them will come out, say, Pastor, that was a great service. When is the next service? Say, tomorrow by 6 p.m. So we'll possess them by 4. Then you cast us out by 6. Is that okay? The pastor will say, yes. He won't say anything. to just declare that everybody you come for the next round of deliverance by 6 tomorrow. The demon will say, yes, we'll enter you people by 4. When it's church time, everybody's panicking. They won't know why. His spirit entered everybody. The spirit said and said, you know, oh, guys, you know, we're all going out by 6.30. <laughs> it's that brain. So every week, hide and seek with demons. Possess people during the week, get cast out on Sunday. As soon as they come back, they say, guys, open your heart, we're about to enter. Shoo! Why? Because the people believe that it is what? Warfare, fighting devil every day. Eh? Demons, look, but when they go to some people's homes, like one man of God I was talking to, I'll tell you guys about it just now. Had a terrible car accident. Terrible. Broke his bones in many places. His rib was injured, seriously. The car was written off that he was in. The driver driving the car had a, small, a few scratches. Him sitting down was thrown around properly. He said, as soon as the car landed on his head, of course, upside down. He said, just to the Lord, you got my attention. What's the problem? He said, Banky, it didn't cross my mind for a moment that it was the devil. Say devil, I said, sir, that's exactly what I, I said. That's my message, sir. Me too, I'm on your side. It will not cross my mind. There is the devil. He, he didn't. A devil, you want to kill me? Devil, you know who you can kill. He said, I just said, Lord, you've got my attention. That's the real man of God. So I will say, every force that wants to end your life, right now, die by fire, fall down and scatter. And the demons will fall. I've not played with children before. They will, too, they will fall down and get on. <laughs> Daddy, do it again. Daddy, do it again. <laughs> be playing with demons. Make your life uncomfortable for them. That's what I'm saying. Just make your life uncomfortable. Something negative happens, you rejoice with the word of God. You declare God's word. Satan brings a suggestion. They say, ah, have you heard this country is directionless? Tell them that if it's directionless, it's because we Christians did not give it direction. See, however, it cannot be directionless. Why? Because I am the light of the world and the salt of the earth. My presence in this country is giving it order. You are getting my point here? You feel pain in your body. It's not here. Hey, hey. I wonder what this is again. No? Now, so cancer, it takes that. That my uncle that time. This is exactly the kind of pain he had. Then six months later, they found out that it was not ordinary ulcer. It was cancer in the liver. You know, the man has died. My auntie too. In fact, let me not even begin to talk about the one my father went through before God showed mercy on him. This is how this pain began. So what do we do? Let's go and pray. Let's go and pray. We are going to pray. All the enemies that think I would die like my uncle. All the enemies that after you kill my auntie, you are attacking our family. I will not agree. Holy Ghost fire up all of you. 
The demon said, this guy is a good friend. You are going to be busy on your case for the next 22 years. But if you just simply say, what is that? Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes, I have been healed. You make the environment uncomfortable. Then the prince says something very interesting. I'll listen to his message, talking about how he was healed in the wilderness uh, during the war. He said that there are different ways God can heal people. You can have a sudden manifestation. He said, or like he was in this case, it was slow. The word was entering him. It took him three, is it two or three months? Two or three months before he became totally well. He said, which one was, is better? He said, in his opinion, from the experience, he prefers the one he went through. He said, do you know why? Because I was reading the Bible. He said, by the time I was finally healed, I had knew so many scriptures on so many things that I would not have known if the healing was instantaneous. He said, because he read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, trying to get the mind of God concerning healing. And then every day, he would, after taking his meals, he would, take, he would read a few scriptures, confess those scriptures as a medicine. He wrote in the book, God's Medicine Bottle. So by the time it was done, he had manifestations in other areas apart from that healing. That's what I mean by making your life uncomfortable for evil spirits. Are you getting my point here? You don't have to cast them out. It's good if they are cast out, but then what are you? So some people will be saying that, do I have an evil spirit? Do I need deliverance? For me, we all need deliverance, amen? amen. Everybody needs deliverance. Everybody. It's how we go about that issue. They want that somebody will call you and say, if you're inside there, confess, open your mouth, begin to manifest yourself, manifest yourself. That one is, a, is play. What did I call it? Play. You are playing. If you keep on saying manifest yourself, the demons will call themselves say, oh boy, there's show in that church. There's go. They will all come and they will manifest. You say manifest yourself. What is your name? Unkubus. <laughs> they will manifest themselves. Yes, we're all in deliverance in one area or the other. But the gospel is a power of God unto deliverance. As you are feeding yourself with God's word, your life is becoming uncomfortable for spirits, and they will leave you alone. One man told me a story interesting. I've told it here before. He said, he used to have an... Well, he didn't use these words, what I want to use now, but so as a summarize, since you're standing, we'll sit down now. He said that he used to have his spirit following him around. Now... I'll give you my own words. I knew it was a spirit, and I knew it was a spirit of death. He said he used to follow him about. He was an unbeliever he did not know. He said that feeling did not leave him alone. Then one day, he believed the gospel of Jesus, and he gave his life to Christ. Now, before that, he also told me that he felt, he had this conviction in him that he would not live beyond a particular age. Let's say the age of 34. I can't remember. It was 30-something. How did he know? He doesn't know. He just knew it. But before that, he gave his life to Christ. He said that one day, he suddenly remembered that that feeling left him alone long ago. That's what I'm talking about. His life became uncomfortable for that spirit. He said he did not even know. He said that feeling, for him it was a feeling. It's me that understood that it's a spirit. He suddenly, he just said, oh, wait, I've not had that feeling maybe in the last four, five months. Oh, what happened? It was after he gave his life to Christ, that feeling ended. He didn't tell anybody about it. He did not pray about it. The spirit just left, said, let's leave this man alone. But, this is the interesting part. The spirit, the, certain things had been activated to end his life by that particular age. And remember what happened when the king, uh, what the, uh, when Artaxerxes 
signed that decree that the Jews should be exterminated. He had to sign another one that the Jews should defend themselves. So that first decree was going to be carried out in this man's life also. So about three, four days before his, that is 34th, then about birthday, Amrabah just stopped him. I said, the car just, somebody just double-crossed their car, came down, pointed the gun at him, point blank, and fired. And they jumped out of a, of a car. The owner of the other car went to the police to report that they left my car, entered another car, and killed the driver. Except that when they were reporting, he was in the police station to, to report that he, he was abducted by some guys who fired at him, but they've taken his car now and they have let him go. He came to make a report. And the other man said, but they killed you. <laughs> I'm here. He said, I saw them. I saw them shoot you. And you died. It became argumental, whether you are dead or you are alive. <laughs> Just before that point, they had complained that the car was too cold or too hot or something. So he wound up or wound down the glass a bit. Thereby leaving the car glass halfway up or halfway down. He said, when that guy pointed the gun at him, the bullet went straight into the door and lodged in the mechanism that carries the glass up or down. He just moved that glass up or down like a minute before that. That was the Jews defending themselves against what had been set in motion. That was a few days before that birthday that he thought he wouldn't live beyond. But how did that thing go away? He never prayed about it. He gave his life to Christ. The atmosphere around his life became uncomfortable for the spirit of death. So the spirit of death left him alone. And the mechanism had been set in motion to end his life. The living spirit of Christ sent an angel. And that angel just put a hand there. As he fired the bullet, the angel put a hand there and blocked it. So how do we explain that the bullet? He said, don't wind down your glass. <laughs> it was the hand of an angel. It was not the distance. The angel just put his hand there. Boom, blocked it. And they found the bullet inside that thing, inside the door of the car. Can we just take a minute? Let's rise up, everybody. Don't sit down. Let's give a lot of thanks so that we'll make our lives uncomfortable. Are you getting my point? Just begin to declare it. You can use my words if you like. Begin to declare it. Say, Lord, the Spirit of Christ is in me. Lord, I thank you because I've been delivered from every curse. Lord, I thank you because I am in Christ. My life is hid with Christ in God. The Spirit of God is in me. God, the creator of the universe. God, the Father of my Lord Jesus, His Spirit is in me. I have the Spirit of Christ. Begin to give thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you because you know me. Thank you. I thank you because my name is written. I thank you because my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. My name, I rejoice. And look, listen, you, if you say you are rejoicing, you better have a smile on your face. You can't say you are rejoicing and you are looking sad. You say, Lord, I rejoice. Ah, that doesn't make sense. You smile, be happy. Lord, I rejoice. I am not confused. I have clarity. Life has meaning for me. The meaning of my life is Christ. The meaning of my life is the purpose of God working itself out. The meaning of my life is that I'm fulfilling the word of God. I'm fulfilling the word of God. God spoke a word that came into existence. And I'm on this earth to fulfill that word. That word is being fulfilled. That word is being fulfilled. That word is being fulfilled. Lord, I thank you for the privilege. Lord, I thank you. I'm happy. That the curse of Noah has been broken in my life. I am not a servant of servants. I am a servant of Christ. I am not a servant of servants. I am a servant only of Christ Jesus. I am free from the curse. I am an overcomer. I am a son of God. I have liberty in him. Lord, I thank you. I am happy. I am happy. 
I know my future is bright because my future is in God. I'm not seeking any future. I'm seeking God. God creates a future and I walk in it. You can use your own words or you can just use my words. But declare and be happy. Declare and be happy. Put a smile on your face. Be happy. If the spirit of joy is inside you, Satan is uncomfortable. Are you getting me? If you are happy, he's uncomfortable. You can't be, if you look morose, it's the Bible called the spirit of heaviness. That's a home for Satan, for evil spirits. They like it when the spirit of heaviness. So God said, what do I do to remove the devils out of your life? I give you the all of joy. I give you all of joy. I give you the garment of praise. I remove from you the spirit of heaviness. I give you the all of joy. I remove from you the spirit of heaviness. That's why I tell Christians, play music, be happy. If you are married, play with your wife, chase her around the house, tickle her, put joy inside the house, be happy, laugh, play with your kids. The sound of rejoicing, the Bible says, will be heard from the abode of the righteous. I mean, the sound of rejoicing, let it fill your home. Begin to give, don't just rejoice right now, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Give, give, just rejoice, rejoice and thank Him. Say, Lord, I thank you. Make your life uncomfortable for evil spirits. Think about one thing that, that's negative that happened to you. Negative. And then begin to rejoice despite that thing. Say, Lord, I will not be sad. I will not be sad. I will be happy. I will, I, I will be happy. I will be happy. Oh, let me just say something that will make you laugh. Eh? You know, talk about interpretation of things. This is our convention we went for. All right? I just came back. You know, not on a Saturday. Traveled on Thursday. Came back yesterday. As we were going on the way, I said, let me ask where Pastor Courage was. My wife chatted with him because I was driving. My wife sent me a message. He said that they left Sokoto in a good car, a Honda, uh, sorry, a Toyota Highlander. And the next thing, they said, I asked him later, he said he was pressing the, the throttle. The car was not responding. They looked in his mirror and saw smoke everywhere. So they had to abandon the car and tow it back. So he came with public transport. So my wife said something very funny. See, she, my, wife, my wife was feeling very bad. Oh, what kind of thing is this? Ah, you should have just checked the car. I said, who told you you didn't check the car before they traveled? Okay, she was just, you, know, she, you were just speaking out of concern. You know, this kind of, you're just saying, oh, why didn't it go like this? I you finished saying it, I was showing her something in our own car. Showing her something. Suddenly I realized the oil pressure was down to zero. Ah, I, oil pressure down to zero. Let me make a long story short. I just gently, by that I had called them um, with the chukwa. I said, didn't you check? Because the car was in the day before. Didn't you check the oil? He said, he did. He said, the gauge was okay. Ah. Anyway, I just entered one filling station and cleared. Make a long story short, that was the end of the journey. We went. Our guest minister, Pastor Chris Delvan. How far? His car broke down. At <laughs> because there was no flight. We couldn't get a flight. To connect him down to where we were was difficult. There was no flight from Abuja to Benin. And we the three main ministers coming down. You know what some people interpret? Every spirit. That said, you know our interpretation? We said, this is going to be great. That was our interpretation. From where we were, I, just, I called my father-in-law. Told him that we're not too far from town. So he sent a vehicle and his driver. That one went and picked a mechanic. So as soon as he arrived, I said, I will just first carry the children and my wife down to town. He did that. The mechanic checked the car. He said, he has to tow the car out of here. So I now sat in my car. Why? Because they came with the helix. So I can go and get rope. 
I, I just told myself that God must want me to be alone for a while. You know what I began to do? I began to pray. I began to pray. We have been praying for days for our program. So I just went through all the prayer points. We, I started alone in the vehicle. In the name of Jesus. I, I go day one. I, I prayed the prayer. I kept on praying. Devil, did it, the word devil didn't come from my mouth one time. I didn't even tell devil, you want to frustrate me? The devil knows things he cannot do. I don't know why you keep on pretending like he can. I didn't the devil say, you want to frustrate me? You want to frustrate me? You can't. Have you ever seen that cockroach are lined up say, you won't cross this road? <laughs> do you say that? Cockroach, you, all these cockroaches. I won't drive my car across this road today. You will see. Just watch it. My car is able to drive across this road. My engine works. I will rev it right now. All of you will hear it now. I'm coming. Oh, cockroach, move. They know you are afraid. If you're not afraid, you just drive past. Normal people just say, ah, how come there are so many cockroaches on this road? And they'll keep on driving. Oh, we got to kill cockroaches as we're driving. So bad. Oh, but we got to kill them, man. They'll keep on driving. Don't keep on telling the cockroach, I'm coming, oh, I'm coming, oh. They are the fearful ones. With all of that thing that looked like bad signs, I said it must be a good thing that's about to happen. Ah, that was our conclusion. I said something good must be on the way. This is how you drive demons out of your life. If you sit down there and say, how long we're living in Ugo? Our neighbor said, okay, oh, me and I go, come. The way he take wave that hand. That was... <laughs> I was suspicious. He said, honey, did you notice that he waved with the left? Who waved at the neighbors with the left? Ah, begin to pray. Every power, fighting our destiny, die by fire, die by fire. All of it is what? Fear. Fear, that's all. Take a minute again and just give thanks and rejoice and be happy and magnify the Lord and make your life uncomfortable for evil spirits. Make your life uncomfortable for evil spirits. Make your uh, life uncomfortable for demons. Stop fighting ancestral causes you have been delivered from them. Make your life uncomfortable. So you were broke. <laughs> you don't know it was good. Increase the stories you have to tell in life. It's a near success syndrome. <laughs> Listen to me. In your life is a lie. That's all I have to say. In your own life is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Don't be afraid. Just say, Lord, I thank you because I'm free. Lord, I thank you because I'm free. Lord, I rejoice in you because I'm free. Lord, I thank you because I'm free. My life is hid with Christ in God. I have the living spirit of God inside me. I am free. I am not bound. So I've had problems. Uh, so it doesn't mean I'm not an overcomer. Even though the victory will not blossom. Even though there will be no, no fruit in the vine. Yet I will joy in the Lord. Ah, say, what is it? My joy is coming from inside. It's not coming from outside. Let me just tell you something as a Christian. You know, when you are walking around, put a smile on your face. Some of the ways you repel evil spirits. They don't like smiling people. Like I said earlier, they like spirit of what? Heaviness. They like spirit. That's their jello rice. It's true. Spirit of heaviness. We are free in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sit down. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If your life is uncomfortable for demons, say amen. Amen. Somebody want to pray. They start by driving away demons. Let me just say something you should just check. Anytime you have a doctrine, eh? read through your scriptures and see how other people did it. When Jesus wanted to pray, what did he do? 
When Paul wanted to pray, what did he do? When the church gathered in the book of Acts, chapter 4, there you see them. When they came to pray, what did they do? Just take all of those things. Check them. If they did not start by saying, every demon that wants to stop the effect of my prayer today, get away from there. It's very funny, because if you could stop it, that very first line will also not work. I don't know whether you get what I say. The prayer with which you are driving out the demon so it cannot stop the effect of your prayer. If the devil had the power to stop it, that prayer will also not work. So if, if it's working at all, it's because he couldn't stop it. At the first day I heard that, thing made me laugh. He said, as I begin to pray, every power, fighting my destiny, die by fire. You know, Christians know how to invent things. And I've warned you, I've said this before, it sounds like a joke, but it's actually true. Many of the prayer habits we have as Christians are derived from occultic shrines. I'm not kidding about that. Some men grew up under the influence of witchcraft. They became Christians. They still pray witchcraft prayer, but in the name of Jesus. They still have witchcraft enemies, but now they turn it around and call it devil, call it people that don't like them, and then fight in the name of Jesus. They don't do sacrifices, you know, like animal sacrifices, and go to, you know, their own shrine is now church. But the same prayer. The same prayer, the same purpose, the same aim, the same method, the words and the instrument is just slightly different. And then they now start teaching it to other people. And those ones say they are praying. I think it's when people who are using occultic powers and all that want to do their things, and they start checking other powers trying to stop them. So they first try and do things to try and reduce the influence of those ones. You did not find that in scripture. It's not there. Hmm. Oh God, Lord help me. I think I want to say, okay, how do I say it? Okay, I know I'll just say it. Many people teaching those funny, funny prayers, they didn't learn them from the Bible, they learned them from their experiences in the occult. Listen, I know what I'm telling you. Just go and listen to them. Now, what I want to say, you see, there's a message I want to preach today. But just go and listen to many of those things. They start with stories of occultic activity. There was one woman, she was sick for eight years. Then when I came, I just realized that it was the auntie that they quarreled over a building that they got from their father years ago, and the auntie did you will see. And for that, since that time, the woman has not been alright. Then I prayed and she became free. There was another man. When I went, it's always stories. It's never based on scripture. No, never. So believers now walk around paranoid. Why? Because their lives are being built on people's personal experiences. A woman met me once said that witches killed her father. I, uh, I couldn't tell her the whole truth because she was crying when she was talking to me. What pained me, I prayed for her later. What pained me was that, for that reason she was afraid. She was afraid. But her father was a good Christian. So the only I'm preaching that witches can't kill a Christian, the young man, woman couldn't believe me. Because she has seen, in quotes, she has seen it happen. And I told her simply, it didn't happen. I didn't have to know her father. I just said it didn't happen. I told that man of God that had the accident. He said, as soon as the car came to a halt, he was badly injured. His arm was broken. First thing he said is, I said, Lord, you got my attention. What is it? That was the statement he made. He said, Lord, now you got my attention. What's going on? It didn't cross his mind that uh, the witches have finally caught up with me. 
another woman told me that uh, that that thing I said hmm, that witches can't kill a Christian. If, if uh, a husband, uh, the the mother is a witch. The mother killed him. I said, Madam, your husband was not a believer. I never met him. I said, your husband was not a believer. She now said, okay, uh, all right, okay, uh, okay, it's true, it's true. Actually, I said, look, so let's leave that thing. And even if she had said he was a believer, I said, that in that case, the witch did not kill him. The witch only took glory for things they did not do, to scare people like you. Some witches came and said they killed the Daosa. You know, there are statements you don't make. Otherwise, Daosa will wake up and kill you back. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. If a witch says that, the fellow will die. There are things the Lord does. If you open your mouth publicly, and say, that man of God that died, something like Idaosa, were the ones that killed him. If you are eight in the coven, God will kill all, all of you, one by one, publicly, over the next eight days. And that's not a joke. I read the story of one man that used to work with, um, what is his name? This um, Charles Finney. They would go around preaching, preaching, preaching. The boys would come and be disturbing their preaching. So one day, one, one of the gang leaders, making a lot of trouble, the sister came, for the meeting. When he saw, he ran in there and dragged his sister out by force. Next day, it did not rain. There was no cloud. Thunder came out of the sky. A lightning came and killed him while everybody was watching. After that, everybody in his gang came to church and gave their lives to Christ. I tell you, don't let God make you an example. No, I think we'll just be making, you know, just come and be, come and be claiming the man who claimed he killed Saul, even though he did not kill Saul, you know what David did to him? That's what the Holy Spirit does to people that claim they killed the child of God publicly. God said, well, I know you are not the one who I'm aware. But I will do you exactly I'm going to do you exactly what David did to that man. Why? I just have to make somebody an example. But the fact is that no witch can. They can't. Forget. Look, I pray. You know, we preachers have been the ones guilty of magnifying these evil powers. I told her I went to preach somewhere once, and I finished. And women gathered and said, this man does not know African demons. One of their friends there came and told me later, said, Pastor, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but my friend said, you don't know African demons. I said, no trouble. I said, Madam, thank you very much. Next day I came, continued my preaching. I said, those of you that claim I don't know African demons, I dare you to sleep the way I sleep. You that know African demons. Can you sleep? Sleep the way I sleep. Let me know you know something. I said, can you sleep? You wake up at night praying useless prayers. You've given all your money as offerings so people who are collecting from you to help you with African demons. It's true. Why don't you follow somebody that knows the way? I sleep well. And my wife sleeps well. <laughs> you know, there's something women, women do. Very funny. My wife sleeps very well. Do you know why? I'm at home. So if there's noise, husband, that's your portion. <laughs> Check why there's noise. You know what I found out? I found out when I'm not at home. She's the one that investigates noise. But something not, but I don't even, my own is like, did somebody open the door? There was a time some dogs would crawl under our gate to come and scatter our, you know, dustbin. So we rearranged the dustbin because of them. Those are the only evil spirits I've chased at night. Because some people wake up at 2 a.m. and say, let us pray, let us modulate the activities of demons. I've been telling you, when you start claiming things that are not your portion, 
they will give it to you. Because the Bible says there is no rest for the wicked, says the Lord. But for the Christian, he says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety. Those are the scriptures you'll be imbibing, not waking up at 2 a.m. to fight evil spirits. Should you wake up at 2 a.m., oh, it's the best time to pray, believe me. 2, 4 a.m., very, very good, but not for evil spirits. No. When you wake up at 2 a.m., you confess the word of God, and in the midst of that quietness, you start meditating. You know, when there are too many voices around, and the Holy Spirit is saying things to you, you, can't, you don't even know who is talking. But when you are everywhere, it's quiet. It's easier for you to understand the scriptures, understand life. You know, Holy Spirit can show you things better. That's why you wake up at such times to pray. Never because of evil spirits. Please, you are too powerful for the devil. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I hope you are getting my point here. The Lord is good, though. Why do we start that, Apostle? We're trying to say that you can make your life uncomfortable. I said something like that, and let me pick it up from there. That in the realm of the Spirit, knowledge that you have is visible. It radiates so that when, they are, when the demons are walking past, they know who has the knowledge of God. They know. It shows. It shows in the color of your spiritual skin. It shows. The confidence of faith you have, the angels can perceive it. When you open your mouth to pray, your voice is amplified if faith is in your heart. Are you getting my point? If you see the way scriptures talk, it talks as if God hears some prayers and does not hear. It doesn't say answer. Please notice the Bible tends to emphasize on the hearing rather than the answering. Have you noticed that? The Bible emphasizes on the word for, the, essentially what we use for answer in scripture is he has heard us. Because you know why? Why? James, uh, John explained it. That once we are sure he heard, then we know that we will receive. So the Bible talks about hearing. So the issue is, did God hear or he did not hear? And there are things he does not hear. And he doesn't hear them. For example, David said, if I keep iniquity in my heart, God will not hear when I pray. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I've been asking you for some of this. When? You were talking to me? No, I didn't hear. That's how the Bible teaches us about it. When it comes to answering prayers, God can hear some prayers. Some, the frequency of release does not connect with the frequency of hearing things. John now says something. If we ask according to what? His will. He hears. Which means that if it is not according to his will, it's not about answering now. He doesn't even hear. He doesn't know you said anything. You know, the Bible word for hearing means to answer. No. James said, if we are sure he heard, hey John, then we know that we have the request. So there's a different thing. So what Christians need to do is to be sure God hears. Like we're going to Portacourt shortly, and the seminar we're doing in Portacourt is titled, How to Get God's Attention. Because sometimes people are praying, God is not paying attention. Again, that is a matter of fact. Now, what am I going to emphasize here? Faith amplifies our voices so that God can do what? Hear. Without faith, it's as if we are speaking the kind of whisper that doesn't connect with God. Now, that whisper is not about the volume of the voice. It's a spiritual language, the spiritual communication we are talking about. The voice that is not backed by faith is too quiet, it's too low for God to hear. If it's just a voice of desire, it's too low. 
sort of speaks as if God is saying, please pardon me to use the expression, I can't hear you. Not as if he can't hear, if we need to look at, okay, let's give you an account of what that fellow said. But in the prayer answering you know, realm, it's as if God is saying, I can't hear you. If you're just speaking desire, he can't hear. If he hears, he will answer. If you are praying wrongly, he can't hear. If you were to able to hear, maybe he will have answered. But he can't even hear. It's as if there is a filter between you praying and him. And that filter says, if it's not according to his will, don't pass through. If it's not according to faith, you don't even have the power to pass through. Because faith is like the amplifying force. You are getting my point here. So for God to hear our prayers, we're talking about prayer now. Prayer must be by faith. It must be in accordance with his will. And what I'm going to talk about today, okay, is how do we form the prayer, let me use the word, desires that are according to his will. Last time I explained something that when we talk about the will of God, the will of God is not just a nebulous thing. What I mean is that, he said, what's going to happen? Um, anything is, is, is God's will. If something good happens, it's the will of God. If something bad happens, it's the will of God. If that was the case, Jesus would not have said, pray the will of God into existence. If that was the case, it would not have been a prayer point. For Jesus to say, pray like this, thy will be done, that tells us the, pray, the will of God is not, an automatical, it's not, an auto, it's not something that is done automatically. It's something that can be prayed into effect, which means if we do not pray that prayer, if we do not pray that prayer, we can experience things that are not the will of God. But you said that God is in control. Yes, I said there's a difference between God's will and God's judgment or God's decrees. His will is what he wrote, is what he desires. But everything that happens, he has to authorize. That's what it means to be a just judge. A just judge does not judge according to what he wants. He judges according to what the evidence supports. That's what happens. If he doesn't do that, then he's not just. It will be an unfair judge. So even though God is the judge of the whole earth, he can only decree things that are just. Even if they are not in accordance with his will. I've said that thing here again and again. Let me just take a few more minutes to explain for those who may not be aware of it. All right? For example, the Bible tells us clearly, God doesn't desire the death of sinners. Troubles. But when they continue sinning, he kills them. <laughs> he, doesn't want their, he doesn't want it. What is his desire? That the whole world be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But the same God said, not all men have faith, so they cannot be saved. So even though his desire is that they all be saved, yet many will not be saved, many will die, and be condemned eternally. Who will condemn them? Is it the devil? No, it's not the devil. The devil himself is going into the same condemnation. He's not the one condemning anybody. It's God, the judge of the whole earth, that will authorize something that he does not desire. Why? There's a difference between being a just judge and being a loving father. You are getting the point here. Alright? So when we're talking about the will of God, we're talking about it. The will of God, therefore... Is that which God desires, but which he has written. When Jesus said, pray that will be done. He was saying that if you read through the scriptures, 
you will find out the things that God has spoken. And those are the things you use to pray. Now I'm talking today about the formation of desires. I'm talking about effective prayer generally. We're talking about how do you form the right desires? Because if your desires are not in accordance with his will, he doesn't what? Hear. He doesn't hear it. Many prayers people are praying, God is not hearing it. If he likes, it's not how long you stay in prayer. You know, it's not how long. Is that you are praying the right things, the right way, or you are not? You know, let me just say something. Don't think for a moment that you can get God to change his mind by how long you pray. Don't think for a moment that you can get God to change his mind because you change this, the method. That is what I mean is that, is that before you used to pray after eating. Now you are now praying without eating. So now God will change his mind. Do not for a moment think that the fasting increases the efficacy of your prayer. It doesn't give it weight. Two things, if I may use that expression this time, give your prayer weight. One, we've talked about what? Faith. And two, the force of righteousness, which is also generated by faith. What is the force of righteousness? That is the person praying. That is the summary of it. Because God, they look high. You see, well, Bible said God is not a respecter of persons. You have to take it in context. We're talking about whether you are rich or poor. But God is a respecter of people that have faith. He's a respecter in quote of those who believe in the Lord Jesus. He's a respecter in faith of those who trust his word. He said himself, said to this one I will look. Is that not respect of faith? The one that is humble and, you know, and contrite in heart. Who trembles at my word. So I say God is not a respecter of persons. Know what he's talking about. If whether you are rich or poor, God is not a respecter of persons. Whether you are um, educated or not, he's not a respecter of persons. Whether you are a man or a woman, he's not a respecter of persons. But there are things that all of these people can do and they will make them special with God. We've talked about Daniel. Daniel was such a special person. Moses and Samuel, they were such special people. So that at the time Jeremiah was praying, God made it clear to him, your prayer is not as effective as that of Moses or Samuel. That is the righteousness part of it. That's why Jesus said, Father, I thank you because I know you have heard me. He said, in fact, I know you hear me always. That is, look, in that area, God, they look high. If I'm using that expression, our Nigerian pidgin English. That is, he respects persons in that area. And the Bible says, his eyes do what? Run to and fro. His, his eyes run to and fro the whole earth. Why? Why? He wants to show himself strong on behalf of the person whose heart is perfect towards him. He checks people. In that area, he's a respecter of persons. That's what we mean by the force of righteousness. So two things make your prayer powerful in the realm of the spirit. One, faith. Two, righteousness, which is also derived from what? Faith. Please bear it in mind. Duration of prayer is not what makes prayer effective. You will say, but Daniel prayed for 21 days. But what did the angels say when he arrived? On the first day you were heard. You were answered. I was dispatched. What happened was there was obstruction on the way. We don't talk about the obstruction now. So if we are praying as believers, don't think the more you pray, the longer you stay there, the more God will hear you. No, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. If you are praying for yourself or praying about things that concern you, your, your, your increased duration of prayer 
should be in the, play, in the area in which you are checking yourself, correcting your motives, doing things, you know, you are talking, okay, this prayer I'm praying, why am I praying it? To understand it alone is a prayer. Because you can have motives that you, don't, you are not aware of. That's why the Bible talks about, when David was praying, he said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and see whether there's any, you know, hurtful thing, anxious thoughts. Many people are praying and it's anxiety. And they don't realize, they think it's fervency of prayer. Please don't copy people. When people are not sleeping, you don't know what's pursuing them. <laughs> so I like that man. He prays a lot. Listen. Let's just leave it like that. Because you don't know what's pursuing him. Many people are being motivated by what? Anxiety. Many, they, they have wrong doctrines. They think the longer you stay there, the more you persuade the Lord. So the, after three days, the Lord has not answered. We'll go to the fourth day. When we stay here long enough, you'll know we mean business. You know what the Bible says when Jesus was speaking? He said, the Father knows what you need even before you ask. 